In the face of China's saber-rattling, Taiwan is planning to increase defense spending for 2021 to nearly 453.5 billion NT. That represents nearly 2.4 percent of the GDP, and 29 billion NT have been earmarked for the purchase of F-16V fighter jets from the U.S. President Tsai Ing-wen says she expects defense spending to continue growing in the coming years. An F-16V crosses the sky while releasing flares. It's a mock beach invasion and an anti-landing drill is underway. To bolster defense capabilities, the executive yuan earmarked 29 billion NT in its 2021 budget proposal to buy F-16V jets. The total defense spending proposed is 453.4 billion NT in 2021. President Tsai Ing-wen says spending may keep increasing in the future. This is precisely what I have in mind as I preside over the current round of capacity building of our military. I am pleased that working together with our legislature, last year we unveiled our largest ever defense budget, reaching 2.3% of our GDP. I fully expect that this number will continue to grow. But what will be equally important is ensuring that these resources are being spent on the right capabilities. Under the Executive Yuan's budget plan, the Ministry of National Defense would get 366.8 billion NT. That's 15.6 billion NT more than last year. If including the 29 billion NT special budget and the 57.6 billion NT non-profit special fund, Taiwan's total defense would reach 453.4 billion NT, or 2.36% of the GDP. Taiwan's representative to Washington, Xiaobi Kim, also recently revealed that Taiwan and the U.S. are negotiating an arms deal that includes cruise missiles and sea mines, so that Taiwan can expand its asymmetric defense capabilities. Taiwan is Taiwan is not looking to compete with China militarily. We also don't want to conquer the world or invade other countries. What we want to do is protect our own country. So in the face of China's huge military spending, Taiwan needs to develop good and clever asymmetric defense tactics. That means we have to be effective and be able to recover easily. Make it so that Taiwan is like a hedgehog. Whenever someone wants to touch Taiwan, they'll get hurt before they can eat us up. To deter conflict in the Taiwan Strait, Taiwan is working to upgrade its defense capabilities against China. A private funeral service was held Friday for former President Li Denghui, who died in July at the age of 97. In the early morning, Li's funeral procession went from Taipei Veterans General Hospital to Jinan Presbyterian Church, where the service was held. Afterward, the procession headed to the presidential office. It circled the building once in honor of his presidency at a turning point of Taiwan's democratic journey. As the hearse rounded the building, officials, including Presidential Office Secretary General David Lee and National Security Council Head Wellington Ku, stood at attention, giving the hand-over-heart salute. The procession later went to Taipei's second funeral parlor, where Lee was cremated. President Tsai has posted a tribute on Facebook, saying she would protect the former president's democratic legacy. 
Meanwhile, police have cracked a consumption voucher forgery ring operating in Yunlin and Zhanghua. The suspected ringleader is a man in his 70s, surnamed Su, who's been charged before for forging banknotes. This time, he and five others are accused of using high-end technology to produce fake triple stimulus vouchers, some highly realistic. Business owners say they are on high alert amid reports that counterfeits may have entered circulation. The handcuffed man sitting at the head of the bed is Sue, the suspected leader of a triple stimulus voucher forgery ring. Police seized 2.5 million fake 500 NT vouchers, along with paper for making many more. If all the paper had been used, the counterfeit vouchers would have a combined face value of 370 million NT. The man had previously been involved in forging currency and securities. People have seized two types of counterfeit triple stimulus vouchers. The first generation fakes were cruder. The second generation fakes were pretty much able to replicate the raised printing of authentic notes. Sue has a criminal record of more than 20 counts of forgery. He allegedly employed cutting-edge technology to copy the voucher's security threads and watermarks. According to police, Sue tested the forgeries at a local business and was caught when the denomination numbers didn't change color. Sue was apprehended based on a complaint from the business. Amid such reports of fake vouchers, many business owners say they feel uneasy about accepting the tender. I'm afraid of getting a fake. This is all business revenue. If the voucher is a forgery, that's money out of our pocket. I think I won't be accepting any vouchers for the time being, only from friends I know. The Ministry of Economic Affairs previously released a video highlighting nine security features of the vouchers. They include hidden text, microprints, watermarks of a plum blossom, and fluorescent ink markings. They also have raised elements in denomination numbers that change color when moved. It's a long checklist, and some business owners say detecting a forgery is simply too much trouble. For them, turning away vouchers is an easier way to avoid getting duped. Taipei Zoo's baby panda is thriving, zookeepers say. She is now 46 days old and weighs more than 2 kilos. She's a strong and robust cub, even more so than her sister was at her age. This panda, nicknamed Roro, can't crawl on her own yet, but she can lift her head, look at her surroundings, and melt hearts with her cute antics. Since she was returned to the care of her mother, Yuan Yuan, mother and daughter have been bonding fast. Zookeepers say that on Thursday night, Yuan Yuan used bamboo leaves and stalks to build a nest and then placed her baby on it to sleep. At the invitation of Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenchan, foreign envoys went to Dashi District on Friday to attend the Dashi Dashi a folk festival celebrating the birthday of the folk deity Lord Guan. The ambassador's witness and an ancient temple celebration made some woodwork, sampled local delicacies, and got to see a different side of Taiwan. Thunderous drums mark the grand opening of the Dashi Dashi, northern Taiwan's largest folk festival. The crowd is buzzing with excitement. The 7th and 8th lords sway from side to side as they walk in the parade. On Ambassador's Day, Taoyuan Mayor Zheng invited foreign representatives to join the festival to experience a piece of Taiwanese culture. Besides enjoying the show, the mayor and the envoys took turns strapping on a bamboo frame. 
Fully looking the part, they tried out the footwork of a heroic deity marching in a procession. Each year, we invite the ambassadors to experience something different. In the past three years, they've experienced the airport MRT and baseball culture. What we're experiencing today is a traditional folk custom. It's the dashi dashi, the procession of the deities. There's a great deal to experience here. For example, the guests can learn to do woodwork. They can try out the seven-star stepping pattern of the gods. There are also interactions with our divine palanquin. They experienced these customs and found all of them very interesting. Knocking away with a miniature mallet, the ambassadors are hard at work on their creations. For this year's birthday celebration for Lord Guan, the Taoyuan city government arranged a showcase of art both dynamic and static. That's combined with a unique cultural celebration, DIY handicrafts, and a sampling of Dashi's cuisine, making the Dashi Dashi a world-class folk festival. I think that a better way of engaging in diplomacy is to allow them to get to know Taiwan. So through cultural participation, they can move a step forward in their understanding of Taiwan. Taking up his own approach to diplomacy, Taoyuan's mayor led envoys in celebrating Lord Guan's birthday, so that they could get to know another side of Taiwan and be won over by Greater Taoyuan. How much can food couriers make? A YouTuber got some real-life data by challenging himself to a 24-hour marathon shift delivering food for Uber Eats. Let's join him for the ride. He turns the key in the ignition and he's off. This food courier sets in the wee hours to tackle a 24-hour delivery challenge. It's 4.14 and I've arrived at the Tonghua Night Market to pick up orders. I haven't really done midnight snack runs before, so we'll see how long I'll have to wait to receive an order. To make it through, he'll have to overcome exhaustion and brave the elements. In off-peak periods, convenience stores are his home away from home. Convenience stores really could not be more convenient. I'm here taking a break. There shouldn't be that many orders from 9 to 11, but if I do get one, I'll still have to go. Then later on, from 11 to 1, I'm afraid I won't have much time to take a breather. At the end of his marathon shift, he's completed 68 orders for combined earnings of 4,804 NT plus a 6,000 NT bonus. But he's also had to fill up the gas tank four times along the way. All told, he earned just above 200 NT an hour, which is only slightly better than the minimum wage. My old man said it before. He says kids my age are the soft strawberry generation. I personally think that we're the screwed over generation. My view is that we should work hard while we're still able to, so I wanted to take on this challenge. This photo posted to a food courier's networking site shows wet banknotes drying on a pet crate. It's all part of the life of a food courier who works rain or shine. Amid roaring demand for delivery, hardworking and poorly compensated gig workers are an increasingly common part of the economy.